you just think we just, you know, whatever happens, we just shit another player. I, and everything's going to be perfect. All of our fans think that. You all think that. That's what you write about. Unacceptable in all areas. Unacceptable coaching, unacceptable playing, unacceptable effort, not what we're about. You don't want to be here. There's a specific reason. Not really, you know, I think we did a poor job recruiting. If guys are coming in and immediately walking out the door because it was something different than what they thought it would be. And we lied to them during recruiting or we sold them on a dream that wasn't true. Like I said, coach our kids to, to do the right thing. And, uh, you know, play with boys, play with confidence, play with dignity, play with class. At the same time, we're not going to take anyone's shit either. We want to be a big, fast, dominating, aggressive, relentless football team that nobody in the SEC wants to play. Now, that's also a second in the West, baby. Yes, sir. Hey, hey I don't like getting it. It's the only time we're ever getting excited about second. From now on, it's first, okay? No, I want to do is fucking eat. I want you to eat. I want you to eat. I want you to want this shit. Welcome in to the latest episode of That SEC Podcast, live from Hoover, Alabama, Shane. <laughs> this is Michael Bratton. I go by SEC Mike on Twitter, and I'm joined, as always, by my cousin Shane, who goes by Big Orange Vowels on Twitter. What are you up to, you big Tennessee homer? <laughs> hey, buddy. You're hitting that open bar, huh? <laughs> this is the goofy part of SEC Media Day, Shane. We're three days in, only one day left. Tomorrow in that room, Shane, it's going to be a shit show. It always is because everybody's got one foot out the door. Mm-hmm. But before we get to that, Shane, I mean, this is uh, let's get to the teams that were here on Wednesday. We got Arkansas, Alabama, Mississippi State, and South Carolina. You ready to go around the league SEC Media Days edition? Let's do it. Now let's go now around, let's the go league. around the league. We haven't decided how we're going to play the guys, so and I wouldn't tell you if I did. So, you know, I don't mind you asking a question, but I don't need to answer it. No, I mean, I'll be whistling Rocky Top by the end of the week. All our players, I mean, it's just like, right? I mean, you just hear it over and over, and, you know, like every other or every third song, it'll roll through within the crowd noise that we play at practice, so you just uh, you get used to it. It's a catchy tune, right? I mean, this game's going to be a street fight. This game's going to be a street fight. I mean, some of you guys don't know who Kimbo Slice is. Hopefully you do. Um, and you go back to it, man, this isn't a sanctioned fight. This is a street fight. I mean, this is the SEC. So, man, it's time. It's time to put on the hard hat. Launch bail. Let's get to work. All right, Shane, let's start at the bottom of the league. Might as well start with the worst. Arkansas Razorbacks. Whoopee! Although, good news here, Razorback fans. I don't mean to burn you too bad because... You know, I've already said I think big things are coming. Well, I don't know about big things, but things are coming, and it's going to start. Two and ten ain't coming. That's what we're saying. <laughs> exactly. But there was lessons learned in the two and ten, and uh, I give Chad Morris a lot of credit, a lot of his players. I asked them all about it this Wednesday about basically the buy-in factor. When you got 22 guys in the NCAA transfer portal and you just went two and ten, clearly the buy-in was not there last year. And it sounds like they've paid the price for that. So let's jump to Chad Morris. And I asked him specifically on the level of the buy-in he's seeing this offseason. You know, he's got a lot of confidence heading into the year. Hey, Coach. Michael Brand from Saturday Down South. We just had Sosa in here, and I was asking him about the level of buy-in on the team. I know he's one guy that you basically told, you know, go to the NFL if you're not going to come in and buy in. 
Can you talk about the level of buy-in from your players going year two in your program? Well, I think with anything you do the second time around, you're going to be better at it. You're more comfortable, and I think you see that with our players and our staff. They're comfortable with us. They understand what the culture is. They understand what the expectations are. They understand for what it's like to play for the Hogs and, and the, the passion level that our fans have for Razorbacks and Razorback football. Um, and to be able to, to when they, they, they step on that field, that, that, that classroom, uh, that they represent someone far more than just themselves. And uh, as with, with, with Sosa and, and all of our guys, you know, coming into to year two, if, if, if you're not all in, don't waste your time. And, um, and, and we've got a tremendous buy-in. Our culture is, is stronger than it's ever been. It's something we work on consistently uh, and daily and, and very proactive in the approaches that we take. And uh, what I have seen is you see a, a football team that is um, player-driven, and I think you, you see that with the three young men that we brought in here today. They exemplify what you want your culture to be about. And um, so I, I'm, I'm very confident in where we are in, as a buy-in level in our program. All right, Shane. So Chad Morris, I mean, clearly they w wish they would have got this done previously, but sometimes it takes hitting that rock bottom to kind of see, you know, to basically to get humbled that's clearly what happened to the Razorbacks this year and uh, they're determined to to fix that before they get to the season yeah no I, I mean I'm buying what he's selling I, I don't you know I want to hinder expectations I don't I don't I don't think we're making a bowl game this year but I think we're doing better in two and ten I think uh, we're going to see more unity on this team you could kind of hear it in the the players voices that are down there this week uh, you know, so, but they're still, they're still a little ways away, man. They're going to be young. Um, but I don't know. It, you know, kind of, I mean, you got to remember, I mean, coach Morris years, years, years in high school. So he knows how to talk to these kids. And then here he is with Clemson and, you know, learning after Dabo, you know, he's, he's going to be a player driven coach. And, uh, I think that's going to pay off in the long run. It's hard to win seniors over your, when it's your first year, but it's not when you got 25, 30 new freshmen coming in uh, to, to build that team unity and, and uh, create new expectations. So I, I think they got the right guy there. It's just, you know, just be careful. I mean, let's, let's, win, let's win the first four non-conference games first and then go from there. Well, he was talking a big game, Shane, but also there's a little, there was a little edge to it because he noted in every single room he went to, you, you said 25, 30 freshmen. Combine those numbers, Shane, because Chad Morris, according to him, he told us he's got 52 freshmen on this team. Now Holy he's, cow. He's counting true freshmen and redshirt freshmen there, but still, I mean, that's an incredible number, and I think that's his, that's his way of saying – you know, we're still going to be, we're still going to be slow. We're still going to be hurting a little bit on the field, but we're going to be very young, very explosive. And, uh, you know, he brought three of his only seniors. He brought them here to SEC media days. And so, so again, that's, that's kind of what got me in this line of questioning of the buy-in because he could have went to the NFL. Uh, Chad Morris this offseason had touched on it. The fact that 
He advised him not to return to school if he's not going to buy in to his new position, sliding inside the defensive tackle, if he's not going to buy into being a leader because Arkansas desperately needs some senior leadership. Uh, and then I also asked him, Shade, I thought you would really appreciate this. I asked all these players about Chad Morris, stripping them down to sweats and making them earn every <laughs> single thing. And uh, here's what uh, Sosa Aguim had to say about that. I most definitely, when you strip to something you're so used to, it, it brings something else out of you. Um, it's basically every every matters, every rep, every second, every minute, every team meeting, every skills and drills, everything matters. So you need to attack everything. And when they took you out of your clothes, it basically was humbling you. And some people were opposed to it, but they started understanding like it was needed. When you two and 10, you don't deserve gear. You, you deserve what you get. And we got what we deserve, and now we worked for something else, and we earned what we deserve now. All right, Shane. So I thought you would really appreciate. <laughs> You've been hung up on these sweats for about six months, so I had to get these questions in there. But uh, I, I really thought that was interesting how he noted, uh, you know, even the start of the off season when this happened, this the buy-in factor was not even completely there. But through the method of stripping them down and making them earn everything. It sounds like, uh, you know, they've kind of weeded out the players that don't need to be there. And I'm sure they're not bad people or bad players. I'm not suggesting that. But they're just not fits for what Chad Morse wants to do. And, uh, you know, clearly they just can't have that. No. And i tell you what. I am not a motto guy. All right. Lyle Jones burnt me of that one. But (laughs) this one actually makes sense. And I really, I love the the idea or the concept. I don't know if Morris came up with it himself, but, you know, I just think that this is what they need to do. They're, you're stripping down uh, Arkansas to, I mean, just, just they were, they hit rock bottom last year. Let's just clear it all out, clear all that extra fat and, and get back to the way Arkansas used to be. I mean, I mean, hell, Mike, a few years back, not even 10 years ago, this, this was a, top five team in the country you know what i'm saying so they can get back to that and it all starts with a strong foundation and uh and i think that's what they're trying to do here and i i I just i like that concept yeah it may be a little bit slower than i'm anticipating with 52 freshmen but if they got the right freshmen you gotta remember they got some really star players coming in there i don't know if they're going to be ready but i think they're with the non-conference they should be winning i like them to beat Ole miss they can get those five. I mean, that's that's a great start. All right, Shane, let's jump to the big show down here in Alabama. For anyone that's not been to SEC Media Days, it's Alabama's event. It really is. Uh, so you walk in, there's a lobby, and that's where fans are allowed to congregate. Not every school has fans that congregate. Most of them do, but only you know between 10 to 15, I'd say, at most. Alabama's got about 300, and... I'm on another floor altogether getting these interviews, and every 10 minutes or so it sounds like someone scored a touchdown downstairs because you got these damn gumps just going crazy. And <laughs> it, it's a sight to behold, but uh, it's always an event when Alabama, Nick Saban, and his crew shows up, and that was today. That was Wednesday. Roll Tide! I thought the most interesting thing he noted during his time at SEC Media Days was the fact that the Tide, they let, they let some things slip late in the season, and it really come to bite them in the ass. Uh, but I think that um, we, we didn't do the things that 
we feel are very important to the program very well toward the end of the season last year. Now, I don't think we play with the kind of discipline that we want to play with as an organization and as a team. Uh, I don't think we had, um, we didn't have the, uh, a, a culture of accountability, uh, you know, with our team in the last, at the end of the season. Uh, I think putting the team first is always really, really important. And um, these are the kind of things that I think we need to improve on uh, if we're going to be able to improve as a team and continue to develop and have success. And I think, you know, you have to be able to live with success. You have to understand that success is not a continuum. It's momentary. Uh, and if you don't continue to do the same things that you've always done, uh, you're, you're, not, you're not going to be successful. And I think sometimes players get complacent, take for granted that just because we played well in the past, we're going to continue to play well in the future. And then you create bad habits and the way you prepare, and then you get exposed by somebody that you play that is really, really good. So I don't think it was what we were doing so much as how were we doing it? How did we execute? What did we do? Um, and, you know, that's something that we need to improve on, but we're also constantly trying to evolve as an organization. All right, Shane, so Alabama humbled against Clemson. I don't know if it's really as simple as what he's making it out to be, but I think his point is, you know, there's no excuse to getting destroyed by Clemson. I mean, Alabama, they have better, if not equal, talent. I know everyone's hung on uh, Trevor Lawrence, but Tua is just as good. I don't care what anyone says. Alabama's receivers are just as good as Clemson's receivers. So it's not uh, – they, they shouldn't be losing by four touchdowns. No, they shouldn't. And I don't know. Some, we, used to, we talked about last year was the small mistakes that they were making during these easier games weren't getting corrected and was really exposed when they played teams of I – don't, I don't even want to say Clemson has equal talent because I really thought last year Alabama had more talent. But the fact that they didn't address some of these smaller mistakes during the season, they really were exposed. And it just felt like Clemson was more prepared. But it wasn't just Clemson. I mean, we're talking Georgia gave them a run for their money in the SEC championship. I mean, those last three or four games were really tight. And it, it was almost night and day to the way they started the season. So it just it felt like the improvement wasn't there. And that's, that's not a Nick Saban team. Nick Saban's teams usually get stronger as the year goes on. Yeah, not only, you know, one thing you just made me think of, Shane, and I'm not suggesting that these games that the SEC, you know, fixes the refs to help Alabama. I think if that were true, it would hurt the game. It would hurt the SEC. I don't think it would ever recover. And what I'm about to say, I'm not suggesting that happen, but Alabama did get a lot of help and a lot of questionable calls last season. And I wonder if that played any part of this because uh, that only helped them win a lot of these games. You remember Devin White, he missed the first half of the LSU game. That, that was not an egregious one, but Mississippi State, Shane, if you go back to that game, uh, Damian Harris fumbled the ball clearly and Mississippi State recovered, and they did not review that. 
That was on Alabama's first touchdown drive. Mississippi State scored a touchdown in that game, and their receiver got flagged for uh, pushing in the back when he didn't even touch the guy. That would have, I mean, you're talking 14 point swing right there. You remember the Missouri game where the defensive lineman was just throwing punches and beating the hell out of an offense, offensive lineman that he didn't even get ejected out of the game. So, I mean, had these calls gone the right way, a lot of these games potentially would have been closer. Maybe Alabama sees the flaws in their program at that point. Maybe, you know, maybe they're not blowing these teams out. They're only winning by a touchdown or two, and that would have potentially corrected those issues before they got to the postseason. What are your thoughts on that? Yeah, it's a good point, man. Uh, I, don't, I don't know if that was the only reason, but you know, when you've got breaks falling your way, it makes you, I don't know, it makes you feel invincible, and mm-hmm. maybe that's what they thought they were going into those final final few games yeah yeah I definitely don't think that was the only thing but I think that potentially contributed it to it and I that just made me think of it when you were talking about it let me ask you Mike when when he walked in did did anybody pass out or anything <laughs> I mean did, could you hear Saban could you tell what room he was in even though you weren't in that room uh, oh yeah, definitely. I mean, it got <laughs> <laughs> like the, like the president was there. Exactly. That, that's exactly <laughs> where it is. And the room I'm in, Shane, it, it typically does get flooded when a head coach comes in, when a quarterback comes in. But it's funny because uh, you know, like the A&M punter was in here the other day. It was like me and three people asking him questions. And then when it, <laughs> it's the same room, and then here comes Saban, yeah. and there's about 400 people that fit into a 300 room area. So. Yeah, oh, yeah. It, it got it got out of hand pretty I quickly. Guarantee, I guarantee there's some people that ain't gonna wash their hands for a year. <laughs> <laughs> Not till he wins another title. <laughs> well, speaking of that Clemson game, Shane, that was brought up as many times as you can imagine. You know, I think even though he got asked it time and time again, Tua, I thought he had a really good response when he, you know, obviously he doesn't want to lose, but he noted that could potentially. Not good for the Tide, but it was a learning lesson that, uh, you know, maybe they they would have rather had that lesson in the regular season, but they got it uh, in the national championship game. Well, I think for our team, I wouldn't say it was um, a loss that we were good about. Um, it wasn't, I mean, any loss, you know, it, it, it never feels good. But, um, you know, it's just something that we can learn from, you know, because if you keep winning, can't you can't really learn anything if you keep winning um you know but with with Trevor Lawrence I mean I think he's done a tremendous job throughout his entire season last year and I mean that was only his freshman year so I mean what he's going to do this upcoming year you know I hope we have the opportunity to meet up with them um you know probably again for a national championship or hopefully a playoff run so all right Shane so how surprised I mean he's not predicting they're going to face Clemson or anything but he he wants them he wants them again and uh, I think if I'm Clemson, I'm a little bit worried that damn two is uh, already eyeing me. <laughs> well, yeah, part of me. And part of you is, you know, it's probably just this whole revenge tour that they're pumping up down there that, you know, and the, how can you, who else can you have revenge on? You only lost one game last year and it was to Clemson. So, <laughs> you know what I'm saying? So right. uh, that's, that's their ultimate goal is to, to win a national championship. And they think they're going to face Clemson when they get there. But, you know, I don't want my quarterback looking at week 15. I want my quarterback focused on some of these because there's tougher teams in the SEC this year than there was last year. And the last thing I want my quarterback doing is, you know, 
already painting a picture in the national championship. There's a lot of powerhouse teams that they're going to have to get through in this schedule. One final thing on Alabama, Shane. I thought you'd think this was pretty interesting, but Dylan Moses asked about who's the toughest opponent he's ever faced. And of course, <laughs> we keep bringing it up. They just lost to Clemson by four touchdowns. <laughs> that was not the answer he gave. What did he say? What's the toughest game you've played in, and why do you remember it being the toughest game? Uh, the toughest game I played in was the Georgia game last year in the SC Championship. Like, and the reason I say that is because it was a very aggressive game um, on both sides of the ball. Uh, Georgia came with it. We came with it. And I just remember, like, after that game, I just felt like I got into a brawl. Like, <laughs> my, my entire body was hurting. Took me a couple of days to get back healthy and all that, you know, to take care of myself. But that was one of the hardest games I've ever played in. All right, Chase. So the Bulldogs, toughest team Dylan Moses has played in that SEC championship game from last season. What are your thoughts on that? And I, apparently, I, I didn't catch it. Obviously, I'm not down at ACC media days, but apparently some of the Tigers heard that, the Clemson Tigers, and they got all pissed off. <laughs> <laughs> oh, poor little Dabo. Well, you know, that's a thing that – I think a lot of people take for granted, you know, they they look at Clemson winning national championship, beating Alabama by four touchdowns, but they don't take in consideration that Alabama had to play Georgia. I mean, tooth and nail to the end of the game. They had a tough physical game against Oklahoma and then they had Clemson. Clemson had it made ACC. That's a joke conference. And then on top of that, you got, Notre Dame, which should not have been in there, and that that was made obvious when they played each other. So I just think that, you know, Alabama was hurting. I'm not saying they were exactly limping into that national championship, but Mm -hmm. those boys were wore out. They've been playing four quarters, you know, the last two weeks, and Clemson was has not. So I think they were more rested, and it showed on the field. I'm not saying that's why they lost by four touchdowns. But I definitely think that had to play a part. All right, Shane, let's jump to Mississippi State. They down, they were down in Hoover as well for the third day of SEC Media Days. And I thought this was particularly interesting, Shane. I'm surprised he came out and said this. But uh, head coach Joe Moorhead came out and said, you know, they wish they would have kind of – he would have publicly lowered expectations heading into year one of his program. <laughs> I mean, how do you feel about that? I mean – uh, obviously, it's almost like he's saying, you know, I pumped it up too much and we didn't, and, uh, and I didn't deliver, you know? Yeah, I think Coach forgot. I, I think he was letting his inside voice talk a little bit there, you <laughs> know, because that's what I would want. I, w- I would want, you know, something like a Morris team with Arkansas or, or uh, you know, a Pruitt team with Tennessee. You know, the expectations aren't that high. If you remember last year, Mississippi State was being talked as – the other contender in the West. A lot of people were predicting it to be either Mississippi State or Alabama went in the West. And right. those are those are some big shoes to fill. They had a great defense, but obviously that offense just couldn't get things going. And uh, you know, now the bar has been set. I mean, they if you think about it, they had a great year last year. It's just it didn't end the way Mississippi State fans would would would, would have wanted. So, uh, yeah, I think he's got a little pressure. That makes sense. I just think he probably shouldn't have said it, though, you know? (laughs) And, of course, the big thing on everyone's mind when it comes to Mississippi State and Joe Moorhead's offense is inconsistent offense. Uh, So I really wanted to ask him about that and how they're going to get it fixed, how it's going to be more consistent. 
And I didn't even realize that when I threw this out there, Shane, but in Mississippi State's eight wins from last year, they averaged 41.6 points per game. In the five losses, Shane, they averaged seven points per game. Golly. I mean, that's that's just insane. You can't have that. And uh, Joe Moorhead said uh, it physically made him ill thinking about that all offseason. <laughs> hey, Coach. Michael Bradman from Saturday Down South. Parag Green was just in here talking about <clears> – <throat> What you guys are working on is being more consistent on offense. You guys were kind of up and down last year. So what are the keys that you've been working on this offseason and heading into camp to ensure that your offense is more consistent on a week in, week in out? Yeah, I think Farad hit the nail on the head. You kind of look at you know, our season and there was a uh, kind of an odd cross-section of performance. You know, you look at our four wins in the SEC. You know, we scored 50 against Arkansas, 35 against uh, Ole Miss. And then we're in the high 20s against, you know, Auburn and Texas A&M. And then, you know, the, the, the four and, you know, I wake up in a cold sweat and it makes me want to puke thinking about those four games of how we performed offensively, you know, you know didn't do well. And uh, you can't have games, you know, throughout the season, Kansas State, some of the other non-conference games and conference games where you're scoring 40 or 50. And then, you know, how the performances that we did against the four teams that all finished in the top 10, all won 10 games and all played New Year's Day's Bowl. So, uh, we need to, like I said, continue to run the bell well, continue to – we need to improve the efficiency and explosiveness of our pass game. And I think that all, all of it ties together, not just doing the what's, but the how's and the why's. And I think year two in the system offensively will help our guys do that, and, and along with our job of putting them in a position to be successful. Mike, do you, do you have this schedule, their schedule last year pulled up? I, I'm just curious, those, those losses they had, can you remind the listeners uh, what those scores were? Yeah, the first game was a troubling sign, Shane. It's when we really should have really had to start feeling uh, there was trouble here in Starkville for, for all the high expectations. But it was that road trip to Kentucky, Shane. They lost 28-7. to mm. And they came back home, lost to Florida. At home, it was 13-6. to Two weeks later, Shane, they lost at LSU 19-3. to So, I mean, their defense played pretty good, but they still got blown out. Uh, at Alabama, 24-0, and then finally the bowl game, 27-22, lost to Iowa. Jeez, I think I lost $300 in those games, Mike. <laughs> you know, <laughs> those were brutal. I mean, that just goes to show when they played a team that mattered, they could not perform. And that's that scared me last year. You know, I'm even more nervous about it this year because I think they have less talent on defense to keep those scores low, you know, and I don't know if they have the offense to keep up with teams like Alabama and LSU. So yeah, uh, the expectations I don't think are raised this year. They may have been lowered a little bit, but uh, they're still expecting, you know, a pretty good season for Mississippi state. Yeah. Final thing here on Mississippi state, Shane, most of the players there, they just didn't really have anything kind of worth noting. All right, Shane, final team here on SEC Media Days, day three, the South Carolina Gamecocks. You know, Shane, I got to believe that uh, with all these buttoned-up coaches where, you know, they won't reveal much, they won't say much, we got Coach O, lovable Coach O, but beyond him, maybe fast-talking Jimbo at times, but I think, uh, believe it or not, the underdog for the best personality here in the SEC, at least on media days now, is old Will Muschamp. What do you think about that? <laughs> I agree, man. He has no filter. And he's he's very witty. 
And some of the stuff he says, you know, he, he don't beat around the bush. He, he tells you like it is them crazy eyes. You know, I just, I would not want to be on his bad side. I'll tell you that right now. Ooh, it's funny you say that, Shane, because someone got on his bad side. Coach, your in-state rival, Clemson, has become a national powerhouse, winning two out the last four national championships. Has South Carolina kind of became like the little brother to Clemson? No, like, we're not the little brother. That? We're not. Yeah. Okay. No. Yeah. <laughs> okay. How about that, Shane? Who in the hell would ask them, the South Carolina coach, if they're the little brothers to Clemson? Someone, someone tried to try to pull the fast one there on old Muschamp, and he shut that shit down quick. Oh yeah, and he had somebody follow. He had somebody tell that reporter out there, you know. <laughs> so you better put him on watch for at least seven days because Muschamp knows where you live. <laughs> you know what the even funnier thing about that clip Shane if you were not obviously you weren't in the room I was but right before that he was joking around being all uh, funny so let's let's cut to this clip he was asked about Coach O and uh, just you know their similarities and whatnot and Will Muschamp noted uh, hey Coach O's a lot older than I am speaking about LSU's head coach right now Ed Ogeron he's a bit older than you but do you see any similarities he's in- a lot older than me <laughs> Would you say the both? And he of looks a lot older than me too. <laughs> Go ahead. You seen them things they're putting out on Twitter now? I, I saw that today. <laughs> he looks a lot older than me. Steve Ensminger's offensive coordinator looks a lot older than him. <laughs> Did you do that to yourself today to try the app? And no, the, I'm, not an app, I'm not an app guy. <laughs> I think I heard you say the last Star Wars you saw was Empire Strikes Back, too. That's right, right? number two. Yep. <laughs> um, the, uh, well, how am I going to follow this up? Muschamp, uh, like I said, <laughs> Shane, this was right before he went off on Clemson. So don't mention damn Clemson to old Will Muschamp, or you'll, you'll get it. <laughs> you'll get it. <laughs> oh, geez, you got to love it, man. He does snap a lot, though, you know. Mm-hmm. I always think about him hitting that, that – uh, that damn dry race board, you know, he was pissed, you know, right. but he seems like if you're on his good, have you seen his house? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Dude, they got a video that came out his house. He's like on a little peninsula. He's got like literally the whole thing is his house on the lake. I mean, if I'm not saying that it puts Saban's house to shame, cause I bet Saban's got like a lot of antiques and probably like fancy pictures in there. And, but must champ, man, he has got a killer setup. If you get a chance to look at it, it's hard to imagine when you have that house and be that angry, isn't it? <laughs> exactly. He's probably <laughs> mad he ain't there. <laughs> but sticking to football, Shane, I did ask Muschamp about his lines of scrimmage because I really think, you know, I picked them in the number three spot in the SEC East. I think I surprised you, I surprised a lot of people with that selection. Uh, the depth and the talent the Gamecocks have on this line of scrimmage. That's something I wanted to ask Will Muschamp on. And uh, here's what he had to say. Hey, Coach. Michael Braden from Saturday Down South. It seemed like last season when you went up against teams that had physical, big offense and defensive lines, a lot of team, a lot of time your team kind of wore down in the second half. I know on paper you guys probably have the best linemen on both sides coming into this season, but mm-hmm. – Aside from just having the players, what gives you the confidence that your, that your lines of scrimmage will hold up better next season? 
Well, I think the players are the answer. And at the end of the day, we went into last season with less than 40% of our snaps that returned from 2017. And most of that was up front. It was, it was you know, we lost Dante Sawyer and Taylor Stallworth and Sky Moore, three really good football players. Yurik Jones was a really good player for us as well. And going into last year, and we got exposed in week two. Uh, we had two freshmen backing up inside. Now those guys are a year older, and some of the growing pains that we went through uh, last year should be positives for us. I saw a lot of growth with some of those guys this past spring uh, to understanding that. You know, at the end of the day, that was the situation we were in. They had to play. They knew that in the recruiting process, and they improved throughout the year. Then, unfortunately, we had some injuries, which contributed to even more young guys playing. Uh, so, again, the growing pains that we went through, I think, can be turned around to be positives for us this year. All right, Shane. So this is why I'm high on the Gamecocks. Obviously, must champ high on this line of scrimmage here. And you know, keep in mind, two years ago, this team won nine games, and I think they're a lot more talented now. I know they have a difficult schedule, but you know, these schedules don't seem that hard once once these games get going and a team here or there starts falling off. So. Uh, thoughts on Will Muschamp and the Gamecocks having a really solid line on both both lines of scrimmage this season? Yeah, that's making me like them a little more and more. I mean, the more I hear I, out of South Carolina, the more I'm liking South Carolina. What was their over-under this year? I believe it was six and a half. Or I think that was where it's right at. Yeah, I'm liking, I'm liking the over right now, Mike. You know, I may have to change the rankings because it just seems like they got all the pieces. And – you know, compared to last year and then another year with this offensive coordinator, Bentley looking better, receivers looking better. They had a phenomenal spring game. Mm-hmm. I love the defensive front. I just, I don't know, man. I, I think a lot of people taking this schedule, and I'm one of them. I ain't going to lie. I was one of them that was kind of taking the schedule for granted, saying, you know, they've got a gauntlet like uh, Texas A&M does, but I don't know. I told you. I said it. That if anybody's going to upset Clemson, it's going to be South Carolina, man. Yeah, you did make that pick. And staying on that theme, Shane, Jake Bentley, I know you know, we're tired of hyping up this guy because he, it seems like he's been hyped for eight years now in the SEC. But he wasn't ready to hype himself up during his appearance at SEC Media Days. He was ready to hype up the rest of the team. He called this the best South Carolina team of the Will Muschamp era, and he explains that right here. Well, I mean, I think it's the first class where it's all Coach Muschamp and our coaching staff recruited guys. And it's guys that have, are bought in fully to what we want to do as a team. And uh, just uh, a lot of guys that are just extremely confident because we've all, a lot of seniors have played, you know, three, four, two or three years now. And um, so just a lot of guys, a lot of experience. And uh, there's a lot of confidence. All right, Shane. So I know you're high on Jake Bentley. You've been singing his praises here lately. And if this really is the best Muschamp era, uh, I mean, I don't know. I, I, I think they're going to be a kind of a spoilers in the SEC East. I even think, I know we both had Missouri number two in the East, but if things don't uh, play out in Missouri, I think there's a chance South Carolina makes that jump up to the number two spot. Yeah, I could see it, Mike. I really can. And but let me ask you, I don't want to be bare of bad news, but how many losses before – did anybody ask about Holinsky down there? You know, because <laughs> you, if you remember, when they were losing last year, it was mm-hmm. always about uh, – what was his name? Mike Scar – I can't say his last Scarnickia. name. Scarnickia. Yeah. You know, so I'm just wondering how many losses before we start hearing that Holinsky talk again. Well, someone did ask him something similar to that, Shane. They said – 
I know Will Muschamp says you give them the best chance to win. And then they asked him, they phrased it really weird, but they were like, if you get hurt, <laughs> who's the next guy that gives them the best chance to win? And he, he would not answer the question. He, he said they both, they both will. So good. He would, good. Not, he would not take the bait on that one. He's slick, buddy. He's been down there 10 years in a row. So <laughs> <laughs> he's like Hunter Renfro of quarterbacks, you know? <laughs> exactly. All right, Shane. So that's all I got on this edition of SEC Media Days, day three. You have any closing thoughts before we move to the final, fourth and final day of SEC Media Days 2019? What's the What's the lineup tomorrow? Tomorrow we got Auburn, who you got one foot out the door. We got Kentucky and Cash Daniel. I'm looking forward to that one. And Derek Mason and Vanderbilt. Those are the last three teams we got on the docket. Is that the order Mason's last? I believe so, yes. Oh, those sneaky bastards. They want to get out of there. <laughs> <laughs> Poor Mason. He's going to be doing interviews in the parking lot as they're packing up the bags. <laughs> I think it's going to be a really good day, though, Shane. I know the people there are going to be tired and ready to go home, like you said. But Auburn, they're going to have a great showing at this event. Uh, Cash Daniel, I think he's going to make the event. Mark Stoops has got a little bit of a temper on him now, too. And for all these oh, yeah. people counting him out, he's going to be fired up. And the, the trio that Vanderbilt's bringing is really good. I've got some good questions lined up to ask them. I think we're going to get some good stuff. Dude, If you what, can you give away – are you going to talk to Cash? You're going to ask him a question, right? I'm going to ask him as many as they'll allow me. Okay, good. All right, man. Well, I'll be looking forward to it. All right, that's all we got. Today, well, I'm down here. Sorry if the quality is not as good as where this is a road pod. Mitt. Shane's on the other end doing shots of tequila. That's so I'm right. Trying to, I'm trying to get him out of here. I'm trying to wrap this thing up to, before we get our final day of SEC Media Days. Uh, but uh, that's all we got. If you like the show, please leave us a five-star hearts rate and review. That really helps us out. Thanks for joining us, Shane. I'll see you on the next one. All right. See you, guys. Go balls. Oh, tequila. Yeah, I'm killing a buddy. <laughs>